Our text for this morning's meditation is from the gospel reading we heard a few moments ago. These words, And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. So our text, Luke 16, 9. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, a, a difficult text. What does it mean? Well, unrighteous wealth in Greek refers simply to money. The way in which wealth and value, financial meaning is conveyed throughout the world. It's called unrighteous. This means of conveying value, of moving wealth from one person to another, because the way that value, the way that wealth was generated was far from perfect. Have you, for example, ever felt guilty after selling someone something? And you felt guilty because you felt that they had paid you much more than the value that they received from you. Market forces, you might respond, and I'd agree wholeheartedly, but then point out that at any time, any time something is sold or bought, some value is created, and then somehow moved via coinage or paper or electronically, what has happened, it's not without sin. Not without sin on a variety of levels. And there's no way to get around that. Money as a conveyor of wealth, therefore, is much like our speech, our speaking, our talking and writing are all conveyors of ideas. These two, these two are tainted by sin. Thus we make a distinction between the word of God and the word of man, don't we? And as Christians, we even look askance at our ideas and the way that we came up with them, our reason, knowing that what can seem to be pure and right and good in our thinking is in fact polluted, it's tainted by sin. Perhaps more to the point, more simply, when I was in fifth grade, uh, my friends and I spent a lot of time playing marbles at recess on the playground. We played a very simple version of marbles. Two of us would agree on which marbles we would use. One would throw his on the ground. A line would be drawn in the dirt with our foot. And the other, standing behind the line, the other person would try to hit that marble with his own. And if he did, he got to keep the marble. It's very simple. There was agreement, risk, reward. The problem, what caused the tension was that the marbles played against each other varied in value. So often a, a lesser marble would be used to obtain a greater marble. The can of marbles then that I carried around the playground for a while, it wasn't a representation of successful fair play, but of fair play, good decisions, bad decisions, a little bit of skill, and all sorts of luck. So money, the unrighteousness of money, representing in our pockets, our wallets and purses, our safes and banks accounts, a myriad of decisions and activities in this world that are stained by sin. So the descriptor of Jesus 
unrighteous wealth. Something that nothing can be done about until Christ returns. Now clearly, and the point of the parable is that the steward in the parable who was going to lose his job, who was going to be fired, knew how to use this money. He knew how to use the wealth of this world, unrighteous wealth, in order to secure for himself a place in the world. So what does the steward do? Well, he steals from him. He rips off his boss to the benefits of others so that when he was fired, others would welcome him into their home. Steward knew how to use money, the conveyor of value of all sorts of tainted transaction to his benefit, and the very way he does it in the parable is tainted. So what then, what then was Jesus getting at in his comparison, in his parable? Well, Christians should also know how to use money, that is, unrighteous mammon, but not in the way of the steward, that is, to steal from another person. It's suggested that Christians do this, that is, use unrighteous wealth in a good way when they give money to those who need help, that is, we help those who we know cannot help us in this life as a repayment for what we have given them. But certainly on the last day, when the record is shown of what we've done, we'll be recognized and welcomed into our heavenly home by those whom we have helped here in this life in such a way. And here we can note Proverbs nineteen seventeen: He who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay him for his deed. Or Psalm 112, for the righteous will never be moved. He will be remembered forever. He's not afraid of evil tidings. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. His heart is steady. He'll not be afraid until he sees his desire on his adversaries. He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His rightness endures forever. His horn is exalted in honor. Apostle Paul, in writing to the Corinthians, noted there in his second epistle, the point is this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. Well, that's what we're to do. We are to abound in every good work, to abound in every good work, even with the money, the unrighteous wealth over which God has made us all stewards. Sure, we don't want to do it. Our old Adam, which we could dub Judas, would use the wealth given to us simply for our own pleasures and our own pursuits. But in Christ, our wealth is to do more. Our unrighteous wealth, much more. And here we can think of our Savior who used an utter unrighteous act, an unrighteous act that was hoped would be of great political value both by Pilate and the leaders of the Jews. Here we can think of our Savior Jesus who used the utter unrighteous act of his own execution, his death on the cross, to create a myriad of friends to welcome him not only into his heavenly home, but to welcome him when he comes again on the last day in power and great glory. Yes, Jesus used the utterly unrighteous act of his own execution to distribute his righteousness, to freely give, to grant his righteousness, his holiness, his sanctity to everyone who believes in him as their savior from unrighteousness. 
from unrighteous thinking and unrighteous doing and unrighteous thinking and, and, and speaking. I mean, that's the problem with the cross of Christ, isn't it? The problem of the cross is its unrighteousness, its unholiness, its sin and stain. How could such a good thing, such a wonderful thing, such as eternal life come from such an utterly evil and unholy thing? Good work of the cross, however, was accomplished as the one bearing the sin on the cross was himself righteous and holy. It was our sin which Christ bore there, not his. Our sin which was borne by him as Christ suffered the injustice, the unrighteousness, and unholiness of an act which was nothing as far as the world was concerned except sin. The righteousness of Christ, however, sanctified the cross, making it for us nothing but grace and blessing. So the works which we do, they are tainted with sin. They cannot not be. And yet through faith those acts are deemed by our Father in heaven to be righteous. And God because through and good because through faith in Christ we too have the righteousness of Christ. And having the righteousness of Christ, we can live in righteousness in a world which is filled with and operates according to unrighteousness. So going back to where we started, the money that we use from day to day, really, if it could talk, would tell us of all the transactions of which it was a part, none of which were completely righteous and pure. It's kind of funny, um, therefore, to note that the, the dirtiest thing the dirtiest thing that we usually handle every day is money, isn't it? If you've ever worked in a fast food restaurant, you know there's that rule that they have there. If you handle money, you can't handle food. And if you handle food, you can't handle money. And if you've ever counted a pile of money, you know why. Because when you're done, your hands are covered. They're covered in what was ever on the money. That money is filthy. And yet, how many things can be accomplished with it? How many good things? Our Lord would that we, taking the clue from the unjust steward, make friends with the money, the unrighteous wealth which we has, He has entrusted to us. And that is by helping those around us, those less fortunate who cannot provide for us in any way, but certainly are in need of our provision. In reality, the provision provided for us by God our Heavenly Father. Yes, it seems counterintuitive that we are to use what God has given us simply to help our neighbor, especially when it's tainted with sin. But that's true when it comes to everything which we have and everything that we are and everything that we do, right? Are we not like our Savior himself to serve our neighbor in love in the life in which God has placed us. So, we use in this service not simply our time and not only our talent, the time and talent God has given us, we also use our treasure, even our unrighteous treasure, our unrighteous wealth. Amen. Now may the peace which passes all understanding keep our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus and the life everlasting. Amen. We rise and sing the offertory. <laughs>